and welcome to another episode of Careering, where we interview fearless females about what makes them tick both in business and in life. I'm your host, Lori Halter, and I can't wait to have you here today's episode. Let's jump right in. to a very, very special careering today. I'm so excited to be on with our guests. We are doing a special panel episode of careering based on a digital dealer panel that I have the honor to be a part of. Um, We'll be a digital dealer October 14th from 9 to 9.50, and our session is called the Untapped Goldmine of Social Media. So please join us if you're going to the show. But before we get started, I want to have all of our guests introduce themselves. So let's start with Hannah. Hey guys, Lori, thanks so much for having me on today. My name's Hannah Lipson. I am a marketing specialist at Friendemic. Great, and we'll go with April. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is April Simmons. I work with Horn Auto Group. I am the Corporate Internet and Marketing Director. And we will continue with Maria. Hi, my name is Maria Svetkovska. I'm a paid search specialist at PCG Digital. And thanks so much for joining me, guys. We have been like collaborating for so long now for our upcoming panel. We're so, it's finally here. We're only a week away. Um, So we're going to talk about a couple of different topics. One is being a female in automotive, because I feel like all four of us can definitely speak to that. And then the other is really going to focus on what we're going to be talking about during our panel, which is social media and not only branding for the companies, but personal branding and how you can make it work for you. So if you guys are ready, let's dive right in. Let's do it. The first question I have for you guys is, you know, what has been your experience being a female in automotive? And Maria, let's begin with you. What do you, what do you feel like has been maybe some of the pros and cons of being a female in this space? So I, um, I joined automotive or started in automotive um, in 2014. So um, right um, a little bit after um, I was done with college and I just, uh, um, kind of like went and didn't know anything about it <laughs> because that was not my background or anything. So um, I had to learn everything from scratch. And, and my experience mostly was, um, you know, I felt like I was overlooked um, many times uh, within the past like eight years, um, all the way until PCG. I was kind of overlooked just because I was, um, you know, female and because, um, you know, coming from another country, having a different sounding name and accent, all that. So it's kind of like roadblocks all the way for me. But um, on the other side, it was really rewarding. Um, I was able to um, actually um, in afford things that I, I, could, I could have only dreamed of when I was when I lived in Serbia. So I was able to, to get myself, you know, a car and a house and all this. So as, as hard as it was to be a female in automotive, it was also like very rewarding um, because I worked hard and, and it paid off for me. So, um, you know, I, I, I like it and I want to stay in automotive forever. <laughs> I love that. And I've actually heard that echoed. Like there's as hard as it is to be a female in automotive sometimes, the opportunities that it brings have been huge. So April, let's let's push this over to you because you actually work within a dealership. So what's, what what do you think about this subject? Um, you know, it, it obviously resonates with me hugely. I, this is my 24th year in the business. And, um, you know, I've done a little bit of everything. I, I've been in the office. I've been in sales. I've been in finance. I've been a retail desk manager. I've been an internet director and now work at the corporate level, which is, which is a huge opportunity to help um, myself be able to help other females in ways that I didn't get that help. 
I, yeah. I was the only girl, like in almost every dealership I worked in ever, I was not just, you know, the youngest usually, but I was the only girl. And, you know, I think I was, I think I, I, I actually had a, I had a lot of hard times. I had a lot of hard times. And I don't like to dwell on those hard times because I feel like they did shape me into who I am. I think I'm stronger because of it. I think I'm better able to help other people because of it. I think I'm more empathetic to people because of it. So in a lot of ways, the struggles are actually my greatest strength. Um, yeah. So I like to kind of reward that, that space. And, um, and now I, I get to tell everybody what to do. So it's awesome. <laughs> And that's always a good thing. <laughs> and as we know, as we all four know, April's not very fiery. So when she tells people what to do, it's probably pretty subtle. <laughs> I may be small, but I'm very, very loud. <laughs> and Hannah, I'd love to hear from you as well, because while you have had um, experience in mostly vendor relationships, I also know, however, that you have gone into quite a few dealerships as well through those vendor relationships. So you've kind of had it on both sides of the coin. Yeah, absolutely. So I've spent a variety of years sort of dabbling um, in all parts on the vendor side, whether that's, you know, day-to-day -day marketing, I've worked in agencies and uh, Lori, to your point, I actually have gone and worked in dealerships for a day to truly understand what it's like to live the life of a dealer. And boy, is it tough. Um, but April, to your point, I think it would be really tough as a woman. I think just in general, even outside of the automotive vertical, yeah. we know it's going to be a little bit harder. We know we have to work twice as hard for twice as long to get to some of the same places as our male counterparts. Um, and whether that's right or wrong, it's definitely just sort of the way of the world. And it's like an innate way that the corporate ladder has been structured. Um, you know, women couldn't even vote. We couldn't even work. And once we could, we were just supposed to be in the house. Right. Um, but more specifically tied back to automotive, I was just reading an article this morning and in like 2019, I believe they did some actual studies on how many women are actually in the automotive field and industry um, for more of the sales roles. It was only about 17% of women were all, all made up all dealers. Yep. Um, and for the service department, it was only 9%. So day to day on the dealer side or April, probably even up the corporate ladder, it's a lot harder to run across even just another counterpart. So while there are a lot of disadvantages and being the only person at the table, um, you know, potentially of being female, there also are a lot of advantages. Um, I yes. think less as women sort of lead with more of a democracy style and approach. Um, and it's a really unique and interesting perspective to bring to a really male oriented and dominated world. You can bring in a different set of eyes that, um, you know, maybe is a little bit more caring or a little bit more sympathetic or understand that, you know, the long hours of the dealership are tough when you have to go home. Same thing on the vendor side. Um, a lot of times like kids or play dates or, you know, work-life balance is, is tough to maintain and struggle. But as you can get some female perspective, a little bit higher up the food chain, um, I think a lot of dealers actually end up being happier. Um, I can say that definitely on the vendor side, I've had the privilege of working um, almost 99% of my career for a female boss. And although it's, uh, you know, wonderful and I, I don't have a preference on male or female bosses, but it's been awesome to have someone in that leadership role yep. to report directly in just because they understand some of the nuances of just 
being a female and like the day-to-day struggles or day-to-day challenges we're up against that she also would have been up against. I love that. And I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think we're all saying the same thing. Like it's such a struggle, but it's such an honor to not only be in the automotive space, but to really, I know from just knowing all of you personally, we all share a passion of like helping that next generation come up and being the leaders, the female leaders that will really help push us into the next level. So I love, and I've met, I've had the opportunity to meet so many people, so many women in automotive who feel the same way. There seems to be like this really growing tide of, you know, female power in automotive. And I'm like loving it right now. (laughs) But even though there's a growing tide, we all know more can be done, right? So April, I'm going to start with you. What do you think we can, what do you think as an industry and specifically speaking to even some of the men allies in our industry, Mm -hmm. what can they do to help this movement? Well, I really think there's, and it really kind of goes back to a lot of what Hannah just said. I think there's got to be a real grassroots approach. I don't think anytime there's something from like the top, 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 when they come down and they say, you must do this and you must do that. Anytime somebody is forced, what do people do? They revolt against it. You know what I mean? So I think it really has to go back to a grassroots approach where you say, okay, if we don't have females in our store, why? There's a reason. There's, There's a fundamental reason. So the first thing that I have found, and this is kind of accidental, and again, to your point, Lori, it doesn't matter really if it's a female or a male. A male that is empathetic can be actually a better mentor than a female who is not. Yes, that's very so, true. So I think that, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be specifically that gender role, but you do need to have somebody in a leadership role who people can go to and have that ear to help them get past the, the you know, the struggles. Yes. So for instance, even right now, I get a lot of that put on my shoulders. So yesterday I had a general manager call me. I need you to call XYZ female employee, please, because you know she's having a real struggle and I don't know how to deal with it. And, and he recognizes at least at this point that he needs help in that space. And most of the females will, you know, honestly call me directly and I try to be there for them in the way that, you know, Hannah's bosses have been there for her, understanding that there are some specific struggles that they deal with and the and the guys are still kind of the same way. A lot of the old school guys in the in the stores are still the same way. What do you mean you need to leave? What do you mean you've got a doctor's appointment for your young child? What do you mean this? What do you mean that? And so it's it's helping on one side to hear those people, but then bridging the other side to go back to that person and say, okay, does that really matter? How could we maybe uh, accommodate people who are outperforming everyone? Because yes. honestly, I think, I think we have to take a hard look at work and time, and that is not the same thing. Production does not mean it is only from a hundred hour work week. And the more and more that we can have those conversations, have people in leadership roles that can help mentor females. And then the biggest one is when females come in to do business with the dealerships and they see females around, those stores instantaneously take off. My stores right now that have a higher 
percentage of females coming into work within the service drive and within the sales departments are seeing huge increases because I think there is a comfort level that that comes and then suddenly you start to hire even more females because they see what you have females working there so I think there can be a um just a mentorship and a grassroots approach sorry that's super long-winded but I'm really (laughs) passionate about that that space so I no, I, I love that. And in fact, I just got off of a clubhouse room where we were talking about this and Carrie Wise gave this fantastic suggestion. She said before she introduces something that she's really passionate about and that really means something to her in a meeting, she will actually call some of her, um, she'll call in kind of the big guns. And she said, you know, a lot of times it's men because we work in automotive. So she will call those people to come in and be her advocates in the meeting. And I just thought that was such a like strategic important way to gain the support and again it's a it's a way that men can be allies in this movement right so marie i would love to hear your thoughts on this what do you think about how we can move women forward in automotive um so like talking about um you know our presentation and what we're going to be doing and building the brand and we're going to be talking a lot about you know part of the strategy being of like why buy here yes Um, and building the individual brands of people working in the dealerships this moving forward needs to be a number one strategy for every dealer and every vendor out there. Why? First of all, they will build the brand. And when they build the brand, we know that people or um, employees more likely to go first and do this kind of stuff are females because um, they're more comfortable on camera and um, they're going to do more, um, you know, to get the dealerships and then themselves out there than men which means that they will attract other females and males in the industry because, you know, when we're talking about like elevating and getting more females in our industry, it's not just like females, it's also like males that are not feeling comfortable going in automotive because it's always the same type of personality working with dealerships and it's not attracting the right talent, even with male management and female management. So with building the brand and building the personal brands of people working, it will just like naturally grow and attract more people like so into the stores, into the vendor land. I, I truly believe that, you know, um, I have never had a problem like when I was at the dealership and when I managed the BDC department, I never ever had a problem with hiring or having mm-hmm. people, if anybody left because they, they got promoted or just left, I never had a problem of hiring anybody or hiring female or male is because whenever I got to talk to them, I was able to present that dealership and that workplace the way I am. And it was a natural yes every single time. So we as leaders have to go out there and say, it's okay to come to automotive and it's okay to be female in automotive and we are here to help. So um, I think it's like a long road ahead, but we have a job to do. And, and, you know, events like this and panels like this and podcasts like this, where we get to talk about all of this, it's really, really important. So I'm That's so fired up. Can you guys tell how awesome this panel is going to be, by the way? So again, <laughs> you better be there with us. Okay, <laughs> Hannah, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, sort of to Maria's point, just automotive in general, um, when I was deciding what did I want to do for my career, I never was like, I'd like to be in the car business. Like, that's not what I said when I was five. That's not what I said when I was even 20. 
Um, so I think there's just sort of like this stigma about like a sleazy old car guy that's like trying to sell you a used car. That's yes. so far, um, you know, beyond what automotive and specifically um, for everybody on this call and probably your listeners, digital automotive, like it's so much bigger than just a handshake and a car sale or a long night and a deal desk. And it's, you know, for me personally, um, I only found out about automotive because I heard there was an event and I loved event production and I loved large scale party. Um, little did I know what I was going to be hosting was called NADA and sort of <laughs> what that meant to the industry. And I didn't realize I was going in as big as I could initially, but completely automotive aside, like the events industry in whole, it's not as like glamorous, as flashy as like a Salesforce or like, you know, Yahoo, Google, like working for a big tech company like that. But when you really think about automotive from the tier one down to the tier three scale, it's huge and it's always cutting edge and it's in front of AI, it's innovation. It's everything that I think a lot of young people are drawn towards and want to ensure that their career is, you know, the trajectory of their careers, including, but they're not initially thinking, all right, let's do it automotive. Here we come. So I think it's much bigger than just at the dealership. It's sort of a, a global or a movement saying, hey, this industry is so much bigger than you could ever realize or think about. It's just sort of what vertical within this industry do you want to get into? Is it event management? Is it campaign management? Is it social media? Is it actually being at the dealership? Like there's so many different opportunities that I think kind of get pushed to the side or overlooked. Um, even my friends are like, you work in cars? Like, what yeah. does that mean? And I'm like, I mean, I do, but it's, it's definitely, I'm not like on a lot every day shaking hands. Like I rarely leave my house post pandemic and you can do it all digitally. So I think a lot of people are surprised by just how big and how much variety and opportunity is here. So I think definitely change on the outside. Um, but a little bit to one of April's points was saying, hey, you know, once we realize that the female demographic also attracts the female demographic on the consumer side of things, yep. we do need to remember who typically holds the purse strings in a household. 58% of it, women, they're the ones making the decision. So, you know, when you start and you're looking at the dealership level, potentially versus the vendor side of things, why wouldn't you want to have that comforting relationship, that person in-house, in the sales department, ensuring that that check does get signed? You know, even if it's coming down to dollars and it, you're looking for a woman to speak to another woman, um, I'm sure we all have been out and been overlooked, even when I go to restaurants. Um, I think typically because I look a little bit younger, um, people will be like, oh, well, I'm not going to tip. Like, they, they just ignore me. They're like, oh, she's 12. And they pass by my table, they won't give me wine. Um, and I could see a lot of that happening even at a dealership too. Like if I came in and specifically more so on the service side of things, if I was just the consumer and I'm like, maybe I'm going to get upcharged. I think if there was more women present to just sort of have that unspoken rule of like the power of female friendship, like I'm not going to pull one over on you. Right. Um, I think there would be a lot of people that would come back. They'd want to be a repeat customer. They'd want to tell their other friends about that dealership or that you know particular business. Hey, had a great interaction. Um, now, typically, and I'm not saying I would never work with man. I I have tons of great friend male counterparts and and tons of allies in the industry. Um, none of which I have ever thought of using the word particularly ally. They're all just friends. Um, they've always yeah. helped push me through. I've never thought about them as 
you know, like a self or help promotion. Um, I think that also comes with the industry as, as many awesome women as there are, we can't forget about just male counterparts sort of doing what they would do for anyone. Um, I, it's a very interesting dynamic. You bring up Lori saying that, Hey, they are our allies, but I've never even gotten that, that deep with it prior to this call. So I would love to hear a little bit more about maybe what that means to you. Yeah, I'm no, I think, I think this podcast? is so, this actually is a great topic for even additional, you know, additional calls. I think I like the idea that an ally, like you're saying, no, these aren't allies. These are just friends. These are just people doing things in the right way. Like these are professionals, whether they're male or female that want to see you succeed. And so they're going to do what they can do to help you to succeed. So I say ally more. Um, I found that a lot of times when I'm speaking about men or women in automotive, the men maybe even more so than women feel left out. And so when I say allies, it's more of a way to be like, guys, we're all in this together. So even if they're the buddies and they're, they would be doing this for anyone, that's still, they are still an ally because they are not looking at us as, like someone actually used the term today. They said, anytime we're talking about girls, the BBC girls. Now this is kind of funny because I use the girls all the time. So I was like, oh, I feel like that's me. <laughs> but they were saying like, when we talk about girls, we're not talking about like the sales boys. I don't say the sales boys on the lot. And so I think it's just a matter of like allies as a way to bring everybody together and say, these are the people that really care and support us and want to see women do well. And so, you know, I, but I like, maybe it just becomes friends because <laughs> I'm the same way. Like I enjoy the men as well, just as much as the females in automotive. And even it's interesting where with all the stuff I do for female empowerment, a lot of times they'll say like, we feel kind of left out. <laughs> So, um, but I'd like to move on to what our panel is going to be, talk about what our panel is going to be. We're talking about social media. And I think you've all brought up in your answers, a really good point about like so much of the personal branding uh, or so much of our personal selves needs to go into social media. And I think all four of us have really seen the success over this last year from branding yourself both, both personally and for your business online. So Maria, let's start with you. What are you going to be discussing in our panel and what, how do, how will it help attendees who come to our show? So I am going to be talking about paid part of the social media. So, um, you know, we all know there's both um, organic, which is, you know, more branding and, and building up the why by here and everything. Well, I am going to take that same part and I'm going to talk about strategy and how to do it with paid um, advertising part of your um, marketing mix. So um, I'm going to be focusing on a Facebook strategy that can be used for all the other social medias. Um, and um, I'm going to break it all down. And I'm also going to offer some advice on, you know, how to start if you haven't started yet, or if you have started, and you don't know um, how to strategize and how to build it where it works for you and your store. So um, I would love um, everybody to join us and um, to be there and uh, so we can help them have the awesome 2022. Perfect. April, what will you be discussing during our panel? Okay, so I first of all have to say, I have to answer one more thing on our previous question. Really yes, quick. okay, go for it. Go. Hiring managers, any hiring manager listening to this, stop hiring for experience. Please <laughs> hire for effort and attitude, hire for the right personality, stop hiring for the resume. 
Okay, moving on. What I'm no, talking I love about that. That's <laughs> a very important point. It's just one of those things that I always hire for effort and attitude, and I've realized that my success has come a lot from that. Yeah. Um, and I still see people looking at resumes and saying, okay, they haven't sold cars for five years, so I don't want to talk to them. That's the wrong approach. Exit that strategy now. Um, come up with a new strategy. Uh, moving forward, though, I'm going to talk about why, like why social, why, uh, you know, the purpose of what social is, and more importantly, very strategic ways that dealers can truly put authentic content across all the different channels, because there's way more than just Facebook out there, and it's important that you're in all the spaces to reach all the customers in the same way we do every marketing strategy, um, so I'll help you come up with a real easy way to do that and uh, get your why buy out there digitally. Awesome. And Hannah, what will you be sharing with us? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Maria is going to be talking a lot about Facebook. I know April is going to be talking a lot about video, but I think one of the social media sites that technically isn't considered a social media site yet is Google My Business. So in this session, I'm going to reveal how a lot of the same functionalities that you're already doing for these other, you know, more well-known channels, you can replicate, implement, and then optimize at your dealership. And if you aren't, why you should be. I love it. And I'll be talking about organic content and how you can multi-purpose the content from some of your marketing and PR pieces across social for the best success. But because we're talking about social, I want to ask each of you something that comes up a lot when I talk to people. What are some ways that women specifically can use social media to their advantage? So let's see. Let's April, let's start with you. You are actually, this, you're a great one to start because you're, you've been taking off on LinkedIn. So you're a good one to start. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, what's interesting about that is that I am not a bit, I've never considered myself a big poster. I, I've always been that person that was a little bit fearful of putting myself out there more so from this, from the sense that I find that it's important to kind of stay in that vanilla zone. Like, you know, I like to be empathetic and I like to see all sides of the equation. So I'm real nervous about, you know, something being misinterpreted or anything of that nature. But what I realized is that when I put my authentic self out there, which is really my empathy, I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's the, you know, the idea of sell yourself and sell your dealership. Part of selling your dealership is selling yourself and so that people get the opportunity to want to buy from that individual person. Yes. People still buy from people. And I think that's where social really has its ability to take off. Um, so it's helped me from a standpoint of building relationships both in the store, but also building a lot of relationships outside of the store that has helped me grow different strategies, meet different vendors, look at innovative ideas that maybe I wouldn't have looked at previously. So it's a really great space to do that. And I think um, like anything else, authenticity is super duper important. Um, not posting just to post, but posting because there's something you just feel and, um, you know, when you post from the heart, it's amazing. It's, it's been crazy for me. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, and I'll just say um, April's way too like humble to say this, but I think she did a Labor Day tip post that what are you at now for your reactions on that post? I don't know, but I've got like 20 some thousand views and, and um, like two, three thousand likes whatever thing in me bobs and <laughs> yeah and I, I think the key here is 
the key here is not the results, right? It's that this, what you're talking about, like you authentically posted something about the honor of working on Labor Day. And, you know, it really resonated across the board. And you could tell because that went viral and just went crazy across the internet. Oh, yeah, no, that one, you're right. That one's got like 80,000 views. Yeah. This morning, there were still people, you know, that was Labor Day. So we're talking a month ago. And there's still people today that it's still getting traction on it. And, you know, and it is, it was one of those, it goes right along with everything we're saying. That message to me was, was so to the heart, you know, back to some of the things even Hannah said and knowing Maria's story and just all that encompassing, I was having one of those almost emotional moments of feeling so blessed and lucky with everything else going on in the world and Afghanistan and all these different things and just sitting here going, I am so blessed to be in a country where, you know, females fought previously so that I can vote and that I now get to be here doing a job that I love. And yes, I'm working on Labor Day while everyone else is out having fun, <laughs> but I'm blessed that I get to do it. Yes. So yeah, no, I appreciate it. And along those lines, I'm pretty sure I posted like a barbecue post that day. So good on you. <laughs> well, <laughs> Anna, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. How can women help further themselves through social media? You know, I think there's a lot of ways. Innately, I think women are just a little bit more social. You know, we were always the gatherers. We always stayed in a pack. We always stayed in a circle if we're going back to like caveman days. So flash forward like a couple thousand years, we still have those same feelings. We still want to do those same things. Um, we just get to do it in a little bit more of a digital era, a new era, if you will. So I think women definitely could have a competitive advantage um, just on social keyword, social media in general. Um, I think we're just the better networkers of the two. Um, so in general, I think there's a lot of awesome ways that we can do it. Um, first and foremost, pretty much everyone on this call, I met you guys digitally first. Yep. Um, we all met through a social space initially, whether that was email, even if it was a little bit before social or actually on like LinkedIn, um, that's where we truly connected and formed a friendship, was able to also keep it business related. So not only was it awesome for outside of work or that nine to five, um, but it's really been powerful and, and monumental during nine to five, um, being able to do things like this panel, get out and re-network again at another event. So it's kind of like this evolutionary loop that we're in if you really um, wanna get in there now. I think whether you're a little bit more shy, maybe like April, you initially were, and you want to be on the sidelines, um, I still say get in there. Like you can have such an advantage on even just corporate conversation and market trends and being able to keep a pulse on the industry from afar, which you typically would have to do and be on the ground floor. Um, I feel like I hear a lot of stuff that's going on at the dealership just through my connections on LinkedIn. Um, I'm obviously not in the dealership every day, but I really do feel like I know what dealers are talking about. I have to be able to know what the conversation is, know what those pain points are in order for me to do my best marketing. Um, yeah. So specifically from a, a marketeer's perspective, watch, learn, listen, even if you don't want to jump in. Um, however, if you can jump in and you want to jump in, growing your network, what do they say? Like your network is your net worth. Right. Um, yeah, so definitely try try to grow your network. Um, I try to go through, you know, once a week and just do I have over 200, 300 mutual connections with someone? I'm just going to add them, start up a quick conversation. Like if we have that many people in connection, how do I already not know you in real life? 
Um, so I try to do that every couple of weeks, even if I don't know you personally, I'll send you a note. Thanks every all the listeners that don't know me yet. <laughs> um, but I, I definitely think there's a, a way that you can do that. That's not intimidating. It's not weird, um, specifically more so on LinkedIn, which I keep very professional. Um, that is sort of like my everyone come on down, check me out. This is what I'm doing. And then there's sort of variations on social media for me. Um, yeah. For Facebook, it's really just like family. Um, it's a great way for me to keep in touch with my family from a distance. And then Instagram is is truly like my best friend. That's much more the, the person only. So there's levels for me on social media. Yeah. Um, and I think even if you're doing it from a corporate branding marketing perspective, you have to have a different tone and voice, even when you're posting for your own company on each of those channels. So LinkedIn, I'm much more professional. There's a link, there's a click back, there's something I can track. Maybe there's ROI hidden in there. Facebook, it's always warm. It's family oriented. It's friendly. It's maybe we're hiring, you know, something that someone can share. And then Instagram can be like, I'm on the beach. Maybe I have a pina colada. Like, it, and I think there's like a lot of different variations to how you can use it to your advantage, but it's really just knowing about your audience and, yeah. and being able to figure out how do I want to use social in social media to, to my benefit. And what's the end goal here with the network that I'm speaking to. Yes, I love this. And you, and you brought up, you know, a number of different points. I want to hear from Maria, but then we're going to talk about one of them, which is like, what are some big no-nos that we've all seen as well? But Maria, before we get into that, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this subject as well. Well, um, you know, like Hannah said, I have not known any of you guys like six months ago. Well, you know, probably like 12 months ago. Or a year ago. And we got yeah. introduced to each other somehow through, you know, LinkedIn or Facebook or even through, you know, like text and email and everything and started talking. And, um, you know, for me, it just helped me to get out, you know, um, because I was that person, I was on the sidelines. I always like just watched and learned and learned and learned and read, 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 but I never really engaged. And then I slowly start engaging with people that I actually liked and I followed on social media. And then I was able to, you know, uh, meet some amazing people like, you know, um, people working for Facebook and Google and all of you ladies and then be on podcasts and then, you know, um, be invited to speak at events like Digital Dealer and things that, that have been dreams like two years ago. And and this is not, this is, did not happen like over a period of like, five, 10, 15 year plan. Like it used to be like, oh, this is my five year plan or this is my 10 year plan with social media. That plan can be a month or six months. Yes. And things can change overnight. Like literally for me, they did. The other thing that I got, it was obviously, I literally got my job because of social media and networking. So I have not, you know, people go out and they're like, well, I'm unhappy with my job and I'm happy with how my career is going. And then they go and they're like, oh, wow, now I'm going to go and I'm going to go and I'm going to start posting on LinkedIn. I'm just going to contact all these people that I don't know. And I'm going to sound creepy in the comments and all of this. Instead of building all of that over time and being present. So when you do need something, you already have who to reach out and, and talk to. Yeah. And for me, it was like, it just happened where like somebody said, hey, I'm looking for somebody. And I was like, here it is. I'm here. And, and it happened. So I think it's just so important. And, and it's, it's, it's also important because I'm so happy in my new role, the way I found it. And now that I am in it, I'm just like so happy. 
I don't have, you know, like the stress I used to have, you know, being at the dealership and everything else. And I just like how, you know, I, I, I like everything about it. So the way I found it, I found it through social media and through knowing somebody through social media first, but then working for them. And Denise is just amazing, as you guys know. Um, it's just, it's just, just it's just like one, <laughs> it's just like one of those things where like, did this really happen to me? And it can happen to everybody, and and that's why you know social media is so great. Now, when Han- Hannah said like I also do separate my social medias mm-hmm. um, and what I post on different channels simply because most of my family still in you know Europe or all over the world because you know everybody had to like move and everything else so they don't really understand if I post something about digital dealer on Facebook right but you know I, I try to like like stay with you know like the family stuff and just being like traditional and everything on Facebook then you know LinkedIn is kind of my you know whatever I think it's appropriate, I post it. And then, you know, I love LinkedIn. I love all of you guys. So it's just, um, I guess you have to find your perfect mix and strategize yes. around that and just go for it. And I, 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 I find that it's going to get better and better and better and go April with her 60,000 views. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think we're such a, um, this panel, what's so fun about this panel is we're such a social media success story. Like this isn't us just saying like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. Like we are really like representative of what can happen when women come together on social media. And as you guys know, I can talk to you for hours, but we are running out of time. So I'm going to give you a lightning round question. And then um, we are going to, here's lightning round, girls. We'll start with Maria. What is your number one no-no for corporate women when they're on? And let's talk maybe LinkedIn because that's more professional. So let's, from a LinkedIn perspective, what would be a no-no for women? Well, uh, you know, no-no for women. I I didn't see many things that women post that are no-no. It it mostly comes from um, men thinking that LinkedIn is a dating network. Yes. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) and sending those unsolicited um, messages um, to us also um, I think because LinkedIn is so powerful about you know building your network and building who you are and everything just like when I said like if you're looking for a job and you need something and you're like okay I know who to talk to in this and and they're going to help me I think it has to go organically the same way about yes. you as a business person on LinkedIn as well. Um, so when you're adding your connections and you're sending those messages, they're just templates and they're so not personal. And you really did not even look at the profile of the person you're writing a message to and say, hey, I saw you and I think what you're doing is great. Uh, I want to sell you this. That's not how it works. So female or male, stop. I mean, like, it's just... <laughs> It's not fun for anybody. I hate not responding to people because it's just like, I feel like I'm rude if I don't. But um, on the other side, some of those messages just cringy. And I just like, oh my God, how do I even avoid? As far as like posting, I don't think anything major is like a no-no as long as is like not hurting somebody. Meaning um, we are all trying to be politically correct, but we can. We do have our opinions. We do have... Uh, things we believe in and things we stand by and everything. But if you know that a certain comment or a certain opinion or a picture or something is going to not just offend somebody because people find themselves offended about like all kinds of stuff today. 
but like something that's going to hurt somebody. It's going to hurt somebody's feelings. That's going to hurt their family or what they believe in. And, you know, like just, it's better to not post than post if you know, you know, like, so what I don't like is like seeing people posting about, you know, the most recent happening is in Afghanistan or about, you know, um, what's um, happening in, I don't know, Olympic games or something like that, just to get those likes and just yeah. to get those views. So they're staying up and creating content around what's happening, making it personal when they have nothing to do with it. That's something that I would, I would strongly advise against because it's just not worth it. End of the day, you're not that person. And end of the day, you probably hurt somebody that you don't even know. So yes. and um, I, I think stop with all of that. A hundred percent. I think it gets back to the authenticity that we're all talking about. And I think yeah. people can see straight through that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. April, what would be your number one no-no? Um, kind of piggybacking what Marie just kind of ended with, you know, I, I always say, save the drama for your mama. Um, and, and I just feel like sometimes, you know, people just get way in the weeds on social about stuff that really the, the, nobody outside of your mom, your husband and your best friend should know about Mm -hmm. if, if, you know, it's funny. I always think when my husband and I first got together, I literally thought he could read my mind. Like genuinely thought he could read my mind. Well, crazy thing is when you start to think that somebody can read your mind, your mind tends to think differently. You kind of stop yourself in a negative thought process. And I feel like with social, when you're posting, you need to somewhat do the same thing. Check it before you, you, you write it, right? Think that if your owner sees everything, not just what you post, but your comments too. Yeah. Think that your husband, your best friend, your mom, and your boss all see what you post and what you comment. And if you're still going to put it out there, then you're probably good. If not, if you're worried about what any of them would think about it, then you're probably in the wrong and you probably shouldn't post it. Yeah, so, 100%. 100%. You know, it's okay to disagree with people, but, you know, to, to Maria's point, never do it in a way that, it, that it's hurtful. So yes. I just, I think there's a lot of people, you know, uh, keyboard warriors and trolls and all of you, um, no need to comment, no need to be my friend, just cruise on by. <laughs> See you later kind of stuff. Um, but that's the biggest thing. Just just recognize that you're putting it out there to the universe. It can never be erased. It will always be out there. And if you still feel good and confident about it, then you should post it. I love it. Hannah, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in college, I was in a sorority, probably no surprise to a lot of people, but <laughs> one, one of the, the big things when we were rushing and uh, rush is when you're potentially initiating some new girls, you have to meet tons, hundreds and hundreds of them all at once. And the one cardinal rule that we had was never bring up the three B's, boys, booze, Bible. And then later they said the four B's and Barack. So basically- <laughs> And, and I try, I try to keep that true um, to my social media as well. I'm never going to probably post a picture with a drink unless I'm at like a, a happy hour. It's something appropriate. I would never put up any risky content with a male counterpart by any means. Um, anything religious, just completely stay away from it. And then anything political. Um, why do I need to post on it? Why is this the platform to do it? Um, so I know it sounds really silly and 
it was definitely meant more so for conversation. But if you guys can remember the three or the four Bs, if you'll give Barack a spot there, um, I think that's just a really easy way to kind of remember like, hey, am I touching on one of these four things that maybe it's not the right arena, maybe it will offend someone. Um, and the potential in those four categories goes up so much further than, hey, come join my session or really looking forward to this webinar. Like as long as specifically on LinkedIn, as long as you're always tying it back to something professional or something resourceful, you're in a safe area. Um, I think for the other channels, depending on your comfortability level um, and who your network is, then you can sort of veer away from one of those Bs if you wanted to. But in general, I still keep to that rule of thumb, boys, booze, Bibles, Brock. I love it. And you know what? There's no better way to end it than that. So girls, thank you so much for joining us. Listeners, if you're going to be a digital dealer, we will be there October 14th at 9 a.m. I'm going to put a link to our session underneath in the comments. I'm also going to tag all these wonderful ladies I've had on the show today. And thank you so much for joining me. We can't wait to see Sorry. Be in Vegas. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a review or rating on your podcast player of choice. If you have a future female leader that you would like to hear on careering, please leave us her name and contact information at the link below. Thank you. Thank you.